I just want to say welcome back to the Hacking Autism Podcast, the podcast all about leveraging autism as your unfair advantage. Today, I'm going to be interviewing my second monster, and the conversation is going to take a little bit of a different turn. There was an unexpected plot twist when it came to having this conversation about, hey, by the way, you're my monster. But before we get into that, I want to welcome to the show, Kelly Shutrup. Hello. <laughs> Can you help? bring the audience up to speed and share a couple of minutes about how our friendship started and how did that evolve? Yes, so we met at Northwestern uh, because of a Chinese language class. So I had originally intended to take Spanish class because it seemed more usable locally. <laughs> and my class schedule completely filled up and it didn't fit anywhere. And so it, it actually forced me to take Chinese to which I thought, why am I taking Chinese? This doesn't make sense. I'm not going to China someday. Um, but I really think it was a God thing. And honestly, I wouldn't have met Kelsey. I might have met Kelsey, but I wouldn't have gotten to know you um, aside from that. And so it was actually a really cool class. Sparked things in my brain, loved it. But Kelsey was there because, you know, you want to be a part of the Chinese language for your world. It's just ingrained in your bones. So many reasons, yes. Yes. <laughs> also, I like hard things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> so we met in Chinese class. We met in Chinese class and we became friends. And, um, you know, you became my person in college. Even when I had a house of girls that I lived with offsite, Aww. each of us kind of had our own person that wasn't a roommate, even though we were all close, that was our person. Like I can literally think of that person for everybody and you were my person. And we talked about food all the time. We talked about travel and ambitions and we had our own little secret code language which was sometimes challenging for me to keep track of but at the same time it had this nuance of it's special you know it's our thing uh and you would refer to instead of things as mountains and valleys it'd be plateau would mean something or taco bell would mean something and um it became or it was hard to interpret sometimes what was going on in your brain remember good remember i'm so sorry for interrupting tai gao Yes. Tai Gao in Chinese, for those that might Google it, means too tall. Oh, I love this story so and, much. And um, Kelly would <laughs> often, um, due to her, I mean, her just being so wonderful, there would be these guys that would just like talk at length. And there's a certain individual who we shall not name um, that just would talk both of our ears off. And so then we established... That in Chinese, we would say Tai Gao or Tai Gao Ma. It, it was, was like our escape word. <laughs> like, get me out of this our, conversation. Yep, it was our escape <laughs> word. So um, if someone was talking our ear off, I could just turn to her and say Tai Gao. And then she'd be like, Dway, which is like, yes, yes. or correct. Or Boo, which is no. And so that would be. And then I would like fake sick or something. Or, <laughs> and we used that, I think, a couple of times. We did. It was great. I'm, I'm pretty sure you had someone that you were being mentored by or taught by some class and uh, they yes told you that they would make a good father to your children so awkward <laughs> how does anyone ever sober or not respond oh, to that i mean there gosh. was no alcohol involved but like no. truly having years behind i'm like what wtf do you say to that i don't know and i just remember kelsey looking at me and going tai gao 
Ty Gao. Ty Gao. And I was just like, we need to go right now. We need to go do this thing. And we just got out of that situation and it was funny. It was so funny. So anyway, so our we friendship. had this language, the secret language. Right, right. And then after college, we, we kind of drifted. Um, and I didn't realize that that could have had negative impacts on our relationship because just keeping busy in careers and things you don't always realize what that does to friendships and sure. so um we reconnected over coffee and started having all kinds of conversations that were vulnerable that we never anticipated well you may have I didn't anticipate but it ended up in really really good discoveries about each other so we had an awesome friendship over the arc of our college career mm -hmm. and we continued to talk and converse, but we kind of <laughs> faded apart and, you know, little to your awareness and that's no fault of your own. It was, you know, a, a key piece of that was like, you overwhelmed me. You were the monster of all monsters. And so then I called you up, I think, and we had two conversations. One we had in a coffee shop and then the second we had over dinner. And I guess let's start with the coffee shop and how that conversation evolved. Sure. So that conversation originally started because a company you worked for mm -hmm. was of intrigue to me. And I knew that we had drifted in ways. And so I was like, okay, I want to get to know Kelsey again. Um, and I want to make sure it's not just because she thinks I'm using her as a network connection because I would not even have the conversation if that's what you had thought. Mm -hmm. because that's not my that wasn't my reasoning and so I remember talking and an interesting nuance came up that I'd never once thought about and it was the concept of gold stars and I remember driving on my way to meet with you for coffee mm -hmm. and being so nervous because I'm just like oh my gosh we haven't talked in a really long time and stuff has happened with our careers that have like let us apart in different ways and I still care about her and I hope she still cares about me I'm sure she does you know those kind of thoughts and um my one fallback thought was, well, even if it gets awkward and we can't figure out what to talk about, I'm going to Disney World for the first time with, with my husband's family, and at least I can talk about that because mm -hmm. it's like something I can talk about. So I came into the conversation super nervous, and that was, I think, the first thing I talked about. Um, and to me, it was like an icebreaker. And later you'd mentioned that you felt like I lead with gold stars, as in like, here's this achievement, here's this accomplishment in my life, look at these things I'm doing. And through personality tests, I am an achiever by nature, and clearly you are too. <laughs> We're both always going after cool things, but um, I never realized that that could be seen as an intimidation factor mm -hmm. to anyone, because in my mind, it was literally just an icebreaker, and so that was interesting to me. Well, what I think is fascinating, before even going further in the story, is that, take note, ladies and gentlemen, that the monster was nervous oh, yeah. to have this conversation, and here I am prepping to go into this coffee and uh, you know just sign internally like okay yeah I wonder I wonder what the latest show and tell is going to be um you know just like in total vulnerability and transparency like the reason we this podcast exists is so that you can learn from the you know paths that I've walked and we wouldn't be discussing this if the two of us had not gone through and right. went through our stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be very awkward and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So continue on. Yeah, we've about talked about the, this. Uh, <laughs> about this coffee and how did that conversation progress? Um, so one of the things between our personality is that Kelsey's just very calculated. Or you are very calculated. <laughs> and um, you've always got something going on in your mind behind your eyes that nobody else knows about. And sometimes you let people into that and sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. And neither is bad. It's just something that I learned to become accustomed to, especially in college, where it was like, 
a situation would happen, whatever it is. And, you know, you would just kind of quietly smile to yourself or quietly think to yourself. And I used to wonder, like, what the frick is she thinking? Like, tell me what you're thinking. And I realized that sometimes you just don't want to. And it's not personal. It's just amusing to you, whatever it is. And so I grew to find that amusing to me. Um, But also that can be intimidating to somebody who is used to hearing what's going on in people's minds. Mm -hmm. And so coming into that coffee, um, you seemed the most calm and collected I'd ever seen you in my life. And so my like nervousness went to full speed of like, and this is happening in my life because I don't know what else to talk about because I have no idea what you're thinking and I don't know where to go with it. Right, right. Like, is there a loathsome thing going on or is it just you're amused quietly at life and what the situation is? And it almost can make a person feel less than in some ways. Oh, absolutely. But not out of, there's no intention, but it's just more this, am I accepted, I Mm -hmm. guess, is like the underlying. Or can I be safe in this conversation? Right, Mm -hmm. right. So then we left that conversation kind of a neutral place and the the job ended up not happening nope and it was for the best with my previous company and and then how long did it was it a year six months that passed before we had that second meal at redstone and is that when you told me that i was your monster it wasn't at the coffee oh definitely it was at redstone okay i remember very blending together there for like three hours we were and we had very good life we had good shrimp that firecracker shrimp Um, man yes there was much food i was going systemically through my monsters and Mm. having these conversations about sally charlie um, you're my, you're my monster. You scare the tar out of me, but I want you to know that that's actually the highest praise that I can give you. And I saved Kelly for last because it was the scariest. Huh. And, <laughs> and the reasons that Kelly is my monster is that she's like the most social, charming, wooful. <laughs> Woo is one of her strengths and she could sell snow to the Eskimos. I saw her do it at Best Buy. <laughs> and... I wanted to have this conversation, be vulnerable, share with you that like, you know what, you scare the tire out of me, but I still want relationship anyways. Mm -hmm. And I love who you are and how like you crush life. And so we had this conversation and so I'm unloading all this on you. What is your reaction? What are your thoughts as I'm sharing that? I had never thought of the concept of a monster in my life. Were you offended by the term when I shared it with you? Or was it a new term to you? <laughs> What's your thought? In ideal Kelsey nature, you didn't give me the full context when you first told me. But then you did I just in the dropped, second sentence. You're a monster. Yes. And, <laughs> and knowing our history of our friendship and the fact that, you know, you speak in these cool nuances, I knew there was more to it than that. And I knew that you wouldn't just say something like that to straight out insult me. So my initial thought was like, what? Okay, interesting, interesting. Wait for it. There's a reason behind this. <laughs> and then you started telling me what a monster was and that it's a person in your life that intimidates you because they have characteristics or qualities that maybe you don't have. Mm-hmm. While obviously you have so many other amazing characteristics and qualities, um, that deficit of it in you makes you nervous to be around people that have it in excess. And so it was interesting. It was both flattering but I think my overall uh emotion was 
why do you feel that way? Don't feel that way. <laughs> like, buddy. Right, right. Yeah. Like, yep. I don't, I don't want you to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I care about you and I like you. And there's a reason why we hang out and mm-hmm. knew each other so well f- since college. Yep. And, um, my next thought was, you are a puma, which is. And I said, what the heck? <laughs> Aren't pumas overweight jungle cats? No, and in my mind, because I'm also a visual processor internally, uh, I wanted to use a word that summarized in my mind what I've always thought about Kelsey, and it's like spy-like, stealth, but not like in an inappropriate way, just like in a very, she's got an agenda, and she's working it out behind the scenes, and she's going to be calculated and systematic in a way that's going to accomplish that agenda, Um, and it's it's a compliment because to me a puma and maybe I'm thinking of the wrong animal is like sleek and dark and not sinister but just not caring about what else is going on around it necessarily Mm -hmm. but it's got its mission and it's really epic that it has that and it's very admirable so I share with you that you're my monster then you counter and totally like melt my mind and say bt dubs you're a puma which i was like okay i'm just gonna upgrade that to monster and like we're just gonna (laughs) swap out terms there because we all speak our own languages yeah and i went away from that conversation where like it felt like my mind had melted because everything (laughs) that i knew about life over the span of our we'll call it six years of knowing each other was based off of you know Kelly, who happens to be a model in real life, so you on the look, side you can you can look her up, <laughs> um, and charming, popular, marketing mm. expert, and kind as can be. So like she's been both beautiful and kind. I was like, that's not fair. Um, but so like th- this is the the mirage that I had built up in my mind. Yet we were friends. Yet we were doing life and trying to learn Mandarin together, taking our finals by flashlight, mm-hmm, and. Great. And yet the table had been totally turned on me where I had this news to share, this high compliment to pay, even though it was awkwardly delivered by saying, you're a monster without defining it. You then in turn said that to me. And so as that conversation evolved where we're both in this place where both of us are monsters to each other, how did your perspective shift and how did the rest of the conversation take shape? You know, it was interesting because it gave me this this understanding of something else underlying altogether going on in our friendship that both made it more complex, but also more understandable, more relatable. You know, so when when you're thinking through things that I don't understand, it's interesting to me to think that some of your perception of me is through the lens of like, how is she figuring out life in this way? Even though at the same time I'm thinking, mm-hmm, Kelsey, thing. you're dominating life sure. in this way. And mm-hmm. that isn't my skill set, but it's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I remember also there being conversation, and I don't recall the exact words, but it had to do with you feeling like I was a ship cruising along. Okay. And you were somehow attached to it. Like, here's Kelly in college, having friends, having life, whatever, and... Enlist- Did I say plankton? Yes. Did I use the metaphor yes. plankton? Because I thought you said barnacle, and you're like, no, barnacle's different. And I'm like, okay, but a small thing. Because <laughs> in my mind, it basically insinuated, and what you shared was you're, you're cruising through life doing your thing, and you're allowing me, Kelsey, to be a part of your life, Kelly. 
um like and i and i remember thinking no way man <laughs> like we're both ships and we're figuring out our mm -hmm. lives and it never once crossed my mind that you may have thought that i was like doing you a favor by having you allowed to be in my life well it was some, very equal in my mind and some context for that is um earlier in the podcast i talk about how the evolution of my monsters took place where at first i feared them and kept them at arm's length secondarily i tried to mimic them mm. and so kelly's charming and popular i'm going to try and be charming so that one day i can be popular as well and so during that college season, it was a lot of the mimicking of the monster hmm. is that season that I was in. And so Kelly was appreciated by the men of our college um, oh just because she's good looking and kind and loves Jesus, like a total package. Oh and um, and so with that being said, I was like, well, I this is awesome. She's in my Chinese class. We can be friends. And then like maybe I can like pseudo have like a group of friends by proxy. Hmm. of Kelly and so that's where that barnacle picture comes in Got where it. I was trying to mimic and learn from like social master it's like well she's crushing that let me try to mimic it uh, which of naturally is not sustainable mm -hmm. and then that third evolution was trying to love the monsters in the way that they crush life interesting yeah it's fascinating because we all have things going on in our own minds and my things are usually Am I doing it right? Whatever it is, because I'm an achiever. Like, am I, am I killing it at work enough? Am I involved in enough things? And not because anyone is telling me I'm not good enough, but because mm -hmm. my own mind is constantly wanting to do more, more, more. Mm -hmm. And those accomp those things accomplish good things, right? And I yeah. have fought to figure You're out what rest looks like. You're not puppies with your accomplishments. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's insecurities in my mind that I'm working through, you know, Anxiety is one that I've been struggling with off and on. And I think part of it's because I expect my life to be perfect, which is silly. Um, and I expect to be able to get approval from everyone because as an achiever, I've learned through the Enneagram mm -hmm. assessment that achievers tend not to approach things unless they think they're going to be good at them. Because why? Interesting. Right, right. And I'm sure there are things in my life that I've approached. Actually, I can't think of anything in my life I've approached knowing I wouldn't be good at it. But Chinese? Yeah, but I was intrigued by it and I knew it would spark a part of my brain. So I was like, let's do this. Okay. But in general, I feel like I'm good at the things I do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's because I naturally lean toward the things that I think I'm going to be good at and I okay. end up good at them. But then when I'm not doing good at something, I think, what is wrong with me? Why am I not figuring this out? Mm -hmm. And so we all go through our own, I'll call them insecurities and just mental battles internally. And it was fascinating to me to hear about this mental battle that was going on in your mind that I had zero idea was there and had zero idea that it was impacting you and for lack of a better way to say it in my mind was completely unwarranted sure I mean obviously everybody's feelings are valid and important sure. and warranted but in my mind there wasn't a need to be afraid or a need to mimic because mm -hmm. you were already your own person and wonderful and special in that way so it was interesting to me because I was like kind of floored. Like, what is this concept? Who else might feel this way? Who else do I feel this way about that I haven't thought about in that way? And I do have a few people, and Kelsey and I have talked about this. And my Who people, the other monsters are. Yeah, for me, and those people tend to be people that appear to be perfect in every way, business-wise or through their career, and 
physically always put together and always showing up. Here's a question for you. So monsters that are in your mind of, let's say, you know, the three or four monsters that might stand out, we don't need to name names, but are they things that you are good at, but you think they are better at, or are they deficits that you have Mm. and therefore, oh gosh, I wish I could be Mm. X like them. Right. Is it a deficit or is it things that you think you're doing well, but they're just an amplification? I think, I think it's the second. Um, it's, it's when I find, it's not, unless I'm just not thinking of it right now, it's not typically a place where I have a significant deficit. It's more a place that I feel like I'm doing pretty good at and then I see someone else killing it and I'm like, how do they make that look so easy? I'm like trying so hard to be advancing in my career or always looking put together because I like fashion and whatnot. Um, and then I meet someone who, you know, through like, a church environment right and Kelsey knows who I'm talking about and this person is a nice person um, but it's funny I find myself getting competitive if somebody is in the same niche as me right so if this individual has a similar career path sure and similar place within culture and whatnot and I feel like they're doing it better I'm like it, it's 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 a difficult thing to wrestle with because my faith-based heart tells me no <laughs> like let them be. They're just trying to figure out their own life and they are loved and they're trying to love people and it's fine. Whereas my selfish nature says they're better than me. They must not think I'm that cool. Like I bet, oh, they're like kind of like the whole popular kid syndrome in high school. Like I just, I'm probably not good enough for them. And I turn what is a situation that has a lot more context behind it. So for example, an individual, um, I got to know through church setting and I was a part of a, a volunteer opportunity with one individual and one other individual. And in my mind, because I was so just... one monster, one non-monster. Yeah, one monster, <laughs> one non-monster. Um, and the monster is in a similar career path, always buttoned up, like has nicer things, just always looks really nice. Yeah. But is also kind of quiet and reserved, which was difficult for me not to interpret as snottiness toward me, which mm-hmm. I don't think is the case at all. But the two individuals really gravitated toward each other and started hanging out together and going to cabins together. And I remember thinking oh, why don't you guys like me? Like, I would like to go to a cabin too. Mm-hmm. Even though like it's fine, I'm fine without that. But I wasn't when I started seeing that. And after taking a step back and realizing that these two individuals had been friends for literally like five or six years and it's not apples to apples, but it's funny how when you have a monster in your life, you just assume, I guess, the, the, lo- the lowest denominator, if you will. Like mm-hmm. they're being quiet or they, they gave a laugh that looked like a oh, polite laugh. They must think I'm a dummy. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's interesting. I think having a monster, you, at least I, naturally put a lot of assumptions around what must be going on in their mind toward me, mm-hmm. which is likely not the case. Just like in, in our situation, I was in no way thinking that I was somehow letting you tag along or like that you were even trying to mimic things that I may randomly be better at. And I think that's what's so powerful is the realization and having this conversation with each other, sharing mm-hmm. you're a monster, you're a monster. Right. Then I think it becomes transformative when you get to then look at other monsters and look at them with eyes of compassion because right. it could be a facade. It could also be they're just really self-driven. Right. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway from this journey that I've had is to establish a level of compassion for... Right, and just empathy for what else might be going mm-hmm. on in their mind. 
or well, might not be going on their mind. And my my own mother has even highlighted that in some ways I'm overwhelming to her and mm. that she feels um, that she you know, has a hard time talking about um, academic things with me because mm. she feels that I... Um, I, I just come off too, too sharp about things that I know because I have a lot of confidence behind them. Again, having these conversations with all my monsters, it gives me an ear to hear when someone is kind of insinuating that I too might be a monster <laughs> to them. And we need to be soft and gracious. And those of us on the spectrum, we might come off as a little prickly or a little... Um, you know, lacking in soft spots because we sometimes struggle with empathy. And going through this process systemically has allowed me to establish that. I have a story that made me, that I thought of when you mentioned academics, that is just a classic example of where you've been a monster to me. Um, <laughs> so my husband, Chris, you've known longer than I have. Um, and I relied on you when I started dating him of, what do you think about him? Is he a good guy? To which you assured Yes, he is. And here's examples of that, which was really meaningful, very meaningful to me. Um, anyway, and you married someone who is a free spirit, a complete free spirit and so fun. And uh, I remember being on a double going out to eat and there was a painting on the wall and it had some, I mean, literally, I don't even know what it was. It had some ship. It had some cool dark colors, kind of like this painting here. And I remember you and Chris, my husband, talking about the history behind that painting. And the fighting tremorere. I don't even know what that it's means. It's <laughs> That's a Turner painting. Sure. Great. Mm -hmm. It was it was pretty. It was very pretty. You can and Google I, it. I will Google it later, maybe. The listeners can also Google it if they're Exactly. If they're curiosities have been peaked. So I remember at this point, like we've been friends for a really long time and I can just appreciate that like history and those kind of things are not my strength. And Chris nerds out over documentaries, therefore he knows a lot and Kelsey somehow just knows a lot about a lot of things from hashtag input history mm -hmm. to technology to businesses anyway it's very awesome and I remember looking at them talking about this picture and kitty corner from me was Tyler Kelsey's husband and I looked up at him and I said I like the red in the painting and he goes yeah me too the red's great and it was just such a funny way to acknowledge like we have no idea what they're talking about but you know what it's okay and it doesn't mm -hmm. need to make us as spouses feel less than mm -hmm. in the same way. Like it's, you don't need to feel less than as friends. And I remember one other scenario where um, there was a guy that I was interested in turned out to be a little cray cray. And yes, <laughs> leave it at that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time hanging out in someone's living room and I literally forgot about it until this conversation. And he was talking about something with history or depth. And Kelsey, you were just meeting him where he was at. And I had a crush on him and I didn't feel like, why is Kelsey stealing my thunder? I felt insecure. Like, why would he like me if I can't hold this level of intellectual conversation? And I am smart about a lot of other things. Absolutely. But history is not one of them. It's not your jam. No, I just, I don't know. And so um, it, I remember thinking like, oh man, like I'm not enough. I mean, what if I'm not enough because he wants to be like emotionally stimulated by talking about these things and I just don't know them. And Kelsey's totally shining and it comes so naturally to her. And how does she even know this stuff? Um, but it was interesting. And yeah, he ended up being cray cray. So it didn't matter anyway. But yeah, forget that guy. <laughs> and um, so then in light of all this, 
what would your advice be uh, for people that might have monsters in their own life and they might wrestle with this of like, oh, I'm a, I know exactly who that would be in my life. What would your advice right. be to them? This is preaching to the choir because the individual I referenced, I don't actually know that well. And so it might be very awkward, but I would say be transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, go out on a limb and have the monster conversation and hopefully it's met the same way that Kelsey and I's conversation was met. It's possible it won't be, and that's okay. And it might just help you get to a place where it's off your chest and you've had that conversation. And it can't it can't go too wrong, right? Either it would be positive and they're like, what are you talking about? I think you're great too, like which is great. Or it may affirm that they're really not as great of a person and they might react in a very snotty, rude way. And honestly... If that were me and if that happened, I would take them from this pedestal of monster and be like, oh, well, you're not worth my time. Being, you're slimy. Right. Like you're not worth my time being nervous and comparing myself to because I don't want to be like that. I don't want to react to people in that way. And so if they're worthwhile people, I think they'll meet you with authenticity and it'll probably surprise them because I don't think people know they're I don't think anyone knows that they're someone else's monster, especially if you're friends with them currently. You just don't know. So with that, I hope this encourages all of you listening as you reflect and think there's no way I could be a monster. You might just be surprised that you could be the puma or monster in someone else's life. With that, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time.